This is the Indesa Members Memo, a podcast of the National Drug and Alcohol Screening Association. Indesa is 100% member-owned and is your industry voice. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Indesa Members Memo. We love it that y'all are joining us every week. Tell your friends, tell your colleagues um, that are in drug and alcohol testing to give us a listen and don't forget to like us and subscribe us wherever you listen to podcasts. I know that sounds like we're just trying to um, get popular, but really um, it helps us stay relevant on the podcast list and then they will um, keep us distributed out and send out notifications and we'll get more and more followers so that uh, we can spread the word because there's such a lot of great information that we're sharing on these podcasts. And then Also, I want to make sure that you let us know what you would like to talk about, or if you would like to be one of our interviews, Um, we would be more than happy to uh, spread the love and let us tell, uh, let you tell us about you and your business and what you do and the services that you offer and uh, just share your information out there. It's another avenue in which you can uh, get to promote yourself as an INDESA member. Well, I'm Joe McGuire. I'm the Executive Director for the National Drug and Alcohol Screening Association. And today we want to talk a little bit about that hall of shame with cheaters. And we have a few uh, doozies lately um, that have come to our attention. And so uh, in our town hall recently, we were talking about these and said, you know, let's make this a podcast episode. Uh, I know that you all that are in drug and alcohol testing, you all got these stories and you've you've heard them over and over and and you have your things to share. I don't think I have been to a conference yet where someone doesn't say one of these days I'm going to write a book because nobody would believe all the stuff that we deal with every day. And is that not the truth? Uh one of the most memorable um kind of cheat stories that stands out to me was uh there was a a young man that was in the um in the collection area and the male collector on the other side of the door was listening to the collection and he heard what sounded like some, you know, shenanigans going on on the other side of the door. So he said, sir, um, I'm going to have to ask you to bring the cup out immediately and end the collection uh, because he, he knew something was going on. It sounded like there was some kind of cheat device taking place and um, there was no answer. And he said, okay, sir, I'm going to give you to the count of three and I'm going to knock on the door and come in. So he, he did so. And, um, that the guy that was in the collection area had the bladder to a camelback, um, you know, water device taped to his back and it was full of urine. And he was trying to figure out how to get the urine out of the camelback bladder and into the cup. Not a well thought out plan, obviously. (laughs) But uh, that was one where we clearly caught a a cheater and um, just kind of, I'll never forget that mail collector was like, uh, you know, just in shocked silence. (laughs) But people try everything. And you know, they try everything because um, they, they have a feeling that they are going to fail the drug test. And so they, they're going to try to get out in front of it and, and cheat it um, rather than just being honest or self-reporting 
or simply, you know, not using substances. Uh, so we deal with this on a regular basis. But one that um, came to mind recently was a breath alcohol test where the individual was preparing, well, the, the individual had tested positive for the breath alcohol test, but just over the limit and then was waiting for the 15 minutes um, before the confirmation test. And what that individual did was just before it was time for the confirmation test, um, reached down and filled his hands with hand sanitizer and swiped it across the breath alcohol machine which of course disabled the machine from being able to perform an air blank and the confirmation test then could not be performed with that machine. Uh, they tried waiting, you know, you have between 15 and 30 minutes to do the confirmation test on, on the alcohol and uh, they through the 15 minutes, we're trying to clear the room, trying to clear the EBT machine, got it out of the room, got it out into the open outside. And, uh, they ended up having to get another device to go to a, another area um, to get the confirmation test done, but the machine would not perform properly for an hour and a half. So this individual was able to effectively disable the uh, EBT, evidentiary breath test machine uh, or device, um, in order to mess up the confirmation test. And incidentally, the uh, confirmation test came out just a point or two under, or just, you know, like 0 0.00, under the, the limit um, causing him to pass. So this individual knew that, that 15 minutes later, uh, he would be just under that limit and was really playing the system here. I mean, this is an individual that was was clearly aware of what was going to happen, knew how to um, interfere with the test, and did so in a in a very striking way and uh, very clever and wily, and uh, then was able to come out just just below the legal limit. When you have someone that's like right on the line there. Um, and they buy themselves just enough time, you know, that's what can happen. So, and of course you accept the second test result, not the first test result. So, uh, what an interesting thing. And, and what is the learning lesson out of that? The learning lesson for anyone performing breath alcohol testing, especially on the evidentiary machine for DOT or anything that's, you know, evidentiary or could end up in court, uh, Get that hand sanitizer away from those breath alcohol machines. Make sure that your donor does not have hand sanitizer in their pockets, um, does not have access to hand sanitizer prior to the breath alcohol test. Um, make sure that you do not ever clean your breath alcohol device with hand sanitizer or alcohol wipes. Uh, we, we were also discussing when we had this conversation about this um, incident that we often use you know, those quick little alcohol wipes to clean off our electronic devices. You know, you wipe your phone screens off with them and iPads, et cetera. But those are not appropriate for cleaning your um, your breath alcohol devices. Those should just have so, a little um, soap and water and, and be done. And just a damp cloth and wipe them down and, and you're good. But do not uh, 
use any type of alcohol-based cleaning solutions of any kind around those devices. And so something for you to think about if you're performing breath alcohol testing and then going back to uh, the drug collections, whether it's um, urine, oral fluid, hair, you know, people are always posting on the internet ways to try to cheat the test. The vast, vast majority of those do not work. Um, you know, there it, it's not that they can't do it. For instance, you know, there's someone was telling me the other day they were uh, needing to do a fingernail test on someone and collect fingernail specimen, and the individual soaked their fingernails in bleach for an extended period of time and just ruined the nails. And she was saying the the whole nail just smelled of bleach and it was an invalid specimen. So, you know, someone can certainly find a way, you know, shave their whole body so there's no hair or soak the fingernails in bleach so they ruin the um, the bed. But Outside of some of those very specific things, straight up substituting your urine specimen or trying to get something into it, uh, it's very, very difficult actually to to fool the test if the collector is on their game and paying attention. As we talked about in last week's episode with uh, in our interview with Chuck Marting, and if you missed that interview with Chuck Marting about how to catch cheaters, please go back and listen. It is it's training. I'm telling you, it's straight up great training for your collectors. Uh, so always be on your game, always be paying attention and know that the, you know, you can go on the internet and, and people search, how can I cheat my drug test? I think they actually put in, how do I pass my drug test? There's only one way to pass and that's don't do drugs, but, um, how do I cheat the test or beat the test? Thousands and thousands of websites will pop up. And a lot of them are, uh, the, the vast majority of them are bogus. And, and many of them um, actually include a process that flushes your system out after 30 days and says, you know, buy this. Uh, there, there's several that, you know, buy this solution and drink a gallon of water a day for, you know, 10 days or two weeks or 30 days, but then take all of our our powder with it or our pills or whatever, and then you'll have a clean drug test. The reality of it is you don't use drugs for 30 days, you're probably fine. <laughs> so, um, you know, folks go out there and they spend a lot of money to to try to do these things rather than not use the drugs. But uh, at the end of the day, the, the majority of those hoaxes uh, don't work. They're just get-rich-quick schemes by hucksters who are trying to get money from desperate people. And it's always good, in addition to those in the collections industry doing the right thing and watching out for the integrity of the test and going through the proper, appropriate procedures, you know, empty the pockets and whatnot, clearing away the, co the collection area, making sure there's nothing that could tamper, um, to educate your donors. You know, there's no harm in educating your DERs, designated employer representatives, uh, employers, HR professionals, safety managers, and donors on the fact that cheating is not going to work and, and you're going to aggressively uh, do the, the test correctly um, in order to avoid those, those uh, situations. So word to the wise, uh, no alcohol, no hand sanitizer um, of any kind around your breath alcohol test device. Educate your constituents about attempts to cheat or beat the test and that your mission is to uphold the integrity of that test uh, because you want to get it right. And we do that 
in the interest of public safety. We're here for public safety. You know, while we do want to catch people who cheat the test, obviously, uh, we're not in the business to catch cheaters. We're in the business to protect public safety. That's what it's all about. So remember your why. Keep that at the forefront. And let's all go out there and make sure that um, we're doing drug and alcohol testing to the best of our ability to elevate others in our community to make good choices, safe choices, and to keep those in our workplaces, communities, and families safe every day. Thank you for listening. And again, if you want to let us know a topic you would like to discuss, you can email us at info at indesa.com. That's I-N-F-O at N-D-A-S-A dot com. And we'll catch you next week. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Indesa Members Memo. Subscribe to hear all of our podcasts and join Indesa to access all of our professional industry resources. Visit us at ndasa.com.